welcome everybody tonight to Wednesday Night Live from the Father's Church in Dallas. We as a congregation have been enjoying the presence of the Lord and uh, a really rich prayer time and a good time of fellowship right before this broadcast, but we've just been waiting for you to go to whatever device you're listening on and join us. So we welcome you. We hope it's a lot more uh, uh, pleasant weather-wise where you are in Dallas it's been cold and rainy and it remains that way but uh, we're happy to be here in the presence of the Lord and we welcome you the message tonight is uh, is going to need to be prefaced a little bit so that you will know why uh, why I'm going to be sharing this and uh, as you can see from the teaching sheet that is available online and here in the house, <clears throat> we're going to be looking at the Greek word thesaurus from tetheme. And thesaurus means a storehouse and a depository. And the, uh, the words of explanation that we're going to preface this by is a little bit of a, of a discussion about this word tetheme. Because when I've taught on this in, uh, in the past, uh, we've talked about how in the Greek language, the New Testament, this word tetheme is regularly used. And I have said, and I believe that it's true, that that word is where we get our word tithe from. And it's obvious that that's the case. The problem you have with that is that when Jesus spoke about the tithe in the New Testament, he used a different word, a word that meant tenth. It had the, 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 the three-letter D-E-K in it. And he did that because he had to make clear to the Jewish people, he was talking about the law and he was talking about how they offered their tithe. He had to make sure that he was in alignment with what the Septuagint had said uh, in the translation of the Old Testament and so he used that word and the, the primary idea of the word Jesus used and what the uh, the Greek translation of the Old Testament was had to do specifically with the tenth they had to spell it out so that people understood what monetary value there was now when you come into the Greek society you 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 see to theme but it doesn't really mean a tenth. It means something that is put forward. And the best way to describe what this word means is found in how it was used in the Greek culture. Now, some way, you know, God spoke in the Old Testament about the tithe. And he said that all his people should tithe. And he said that if you are in a place that is far removed from Jerusalem and specifically far removed from any priest or any any tabernacle that you still needed to pay your tithe you need to have that principle before God but you do it in whatever way if you're in again if you are not around any place to sow your tithe into a specific ministry that God had ordained you still give your tithe you 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 do something with it that blesses your family. You do something with it that blesses p 
people. This says it in the scripture. You do something with it that that is fun. And and God spells that out. So the idea of tithing was sown into the ancient world. You know, Abram was tithing. And all of those people from Ishmael's group through, you know, the various offshoots of the thousands of of, uh, of Israelites that were born and traveled. You know, the tribe of Dan uh, was famous for their, for their seafaring ways. And they, there are, they have found remnants of the Jewish tribe of Dan all through the Mediterranean area. And so the issue of tithing was well known throughout people groups. And somehow then the Greeks also embrace this and they should have because a large part of what you find from the tribe of Dan is found in the Greek peninsula and they they have found uh, depictions of of um, shofars and made of uh, small made of gold they found things that uh, depictions of the people carrying the ark of the covenant and and so the Greek society was greatly uh, impacted by Dan and some of the other uh, Jewish teachings. But the Greeks, what they did, and I can describe this best from talking about the Olympics. When the Olympic Games first started, it was basically um, Greeks competing. Then they started extending it to see how they stacked up with other nations. And the concept of these nations coming and participating in the Olympics began to be established. And so to support this, what the Greeks would do was they had um, people from these nations. If the, if the nations were sending their, um, their best athletes who had a gift in a specific way, the nations themselves would also send what they called a tetheme, which represented who they were, represented what they were known for in their, in their economy, and they would bring the best representation of that, and it would be deposited into a thesaurus. And the thesaur thesaurus was a, a treasury. It was a storehouse. Now you tell me if that doesn't sound like bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. Prove me now herewith, says the Lord. So the Greeks had established this and not only did they establish it, they made it a part of the requirements of the people who came to participate in the Olympics. And I think that pretty much clarifies things. Now if you, if you were to study, which I have, <laughs> People who argue about word meanings, and I just hate that. But they'll say up and down that tetheme is not, has nothing to do with the principle of tithing, which makes no sense at all because our word in English for the, for the, the, the tithe is from tetheme. But the concept of it was even known in the Olympics and in... in in what the nations had to do to participate in the Olympics. And so the thesaurus was then the storehouse. And they would utilize that to, to not only showcase the wealth of these nations, 
but to utilize that wealth then to take care of the needs of the games, to take care of the needs of the athletes, to take care of the needs of, of what it cost to produce those types of, uh, of ceremonies and athletic events. So when we come into the New Testament and you see the Greek language being used to talk about the thesaurus, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight, or to talk about the tetheme, in the Greek mindset, it was well established. The tetheme was something, it was more akin in their eyes to a first fruits, but it was you bringing something from what you are and putting it forth to showcase how you have been blessed and what your notoriety is. And they sewed it into a thesaurus. So that was the idea. Now, if you look at English etymology and you say, well, how did tithe find its way into the English language? Well, supposedly the first known time where in England the, the people in the churches were required to tithe, and they used that word, was like in the late, late 1100s. And um, they, they do all these gymnastics linguistically saying, well, this came from the, the Norse or from Norway. And they, they, they use a word that doesn't, it's like <coughs> teog or something like that. And I thought, so you're telling me that tithe, as we know it, came from teog, but the guys that translated the, the Bible could see that from hundreds of years ago, the word you use for tithe is just exactly like that. So whenever you talk about etymology and you talk about how words came into the Bible, it's difficult to trust a lot of what carnal or earthly scholars think. And... Uh, so I still believe that in the Greek culture, and again, how are you going to fault what happened in the Olympics? Every four years, they're having Olympic Games. Everybody knows the Olympic Games. Everybody knows they came out of Greece. Well, how did those people in like 200 B.C. or 250 B.C., how did they describe this money that's brought, and where do they put it, and what is it? Well, they, they took the teteme and put it in the thesaurus, and, you know, that's the way they used it. That's what they meant. And so when you read the New Testament and you see those two words, anytime you see them, you should say, what's being communicated here? Because any Greek in that day knew what those words meant. And to me, it's exactly similar to what we do with the tithe, and we sow it into the storehouse out of what God has blessed us with what we are sowing into, what we're believing is going to be accrued and used in strength for the work of the kingdom. That's the way the, G, the, 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 the Greeks understood it, and that's the way uh, these words were, were uh, defined when you see them in the New Testament. So I was going to write a book about the Tetheme, and I thought, I don't know that I'm going to do that, because what I've spent 15 minutes describing, and I know that it's true. I, I, I know that this is true. I mean, even just from the way it's used in ancient Greece, I know it's true. 
but there would be people that read it and they would they'd say no I can't find it here and I can't find it there so it must not be true now that's happened before in a lot of the things that we've that we've taught but I just didn't feel like doing it maybe I'll do it sometime but I just didn't feel like doing it but it's interesting though to see the way these words are used and tonight we're going to talk about the thesaurus which means the storehouse which means the place that is is sewn into that then becomes a bastion of the power of God, the power of provision. And the storehouse in, in Malachi 3 is a place where you, you bring the tithe into the storehouse so that there would be deep things, there would be meat in my house, that the people wouldn't just be living a marginal existence or some kind of a, an elemental existence all the time, that it would be a, a place... Uh, that was just abounding in in new creative things line upon line from glory to glory that's what god wants and god sends in regard to that prove me now herewith and what that means is you know trust me when you do this trust me and i will keep bringing meat i will lead you into stronger things I will lead you into deeper things. I will cause blessing to abound. And in that context, if the devourer comes against you, he's going to be rebuked. And, um, you know, that's the context. And, and so I see this, and, and I felt there are like eight different categories in the way tetheme is used in the New Testament. And they're really powerful. They go from, you know the kneeling that's like the Barak in the Old Testament where you are presenting who you are and what your your identity is in God you are kneeling and that Tetheme is described as that for God to launch you forward it's like when um, Paul was being sent in his first missionary journey in Antioch and all the people were there and they you know the, the teachers and the prophets came together they knelt to themate and they were sent forth based upon what god had sown into them and what was ahead it's a great concept it's also how god sowed into us the fivefold it's also how uh, uh, god gives giftings and anointings in us and they it's translated as ordained or or god set these things in you and and it goes on from there there's like five other capacities of this and it's a great study yeah it's it's just a wonderful thing we're living it but all of those things all of those tethemes sow into the thesaurus of the storehouse of the lord so tonight we're going to look at these verses i didn't give you bullet point categorizations but here they are and the first one is colossians 2 verses 2 and 3 He's talking about the Colossians, and he's, verse 1, he's talking about Laodicea, which is interesting. And then he reads this, that their hearts might be comforted, parakaleo, that they might, they might come together and follow the calling that God's given, being knit together in love unto all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, the synergy, synergesis, to the acknowledgement of the musterion of God and of the Father 
and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, in whom is in God and the Father and Christ. And it's interesting here that it doesn't mention the Spirit. And it's interesting here that it mentions God and then the Father. What does that mean? Well, the mystery of God is the phrase, and that means that what God has ordained, this is kind of like Yahweh, what God has ordained and the way his mysteries are going to be revealed is there. And that the Father and Christ are the ones that allow us to partner and to move. So when we seek the Father and we're spending time with God, he will reveal the mysteries. Now remember we've talked about how that when we pray in the Spirit, the Bible says no one understands, but in Spirit we're speaking mysteries, the mysterion to God. And we've talked about how that is kind of the way the Father uh, works with us. He's developing the mysteries within us. He's developing the mysteries through us. And so the Father there is mentioned. And then Christ. We're laboring together with him. He is the anointed son. We are co-heir, joint heirs with him. And so this is really saying you've got the mystery that God Almighty has put forward. But the way it's revealed is through our partnership with the Father and with our alignment with the Lord Jesus Christ. And in those three capacities are hid, apocrypto, which is uh, uh, kind of a weird mix on crypto, the hidden thing. It, it literally means out from the crypto. Uh, in him are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So this is interesting because God wants us to sow ourselves into him. And then in his plan, he's got a thesaurus. He's got a storehouse of wisdom and knowledge. And as we partner with the Father and the Lord Jesus, God brings things out of the hidden place. He, he brings them out of the hidden place of the thesaurus for us to know and to grow in wisdom and knowledge. That's a wonderful thing. And I thought about that because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of mixing myself up here, but like later on it talks about you're going to have a thesaurus in heaven you lay not up for yourself thesaurus on earth but you're going to have a thesaurus in heaven that's matthew 19 and matthew 6 and for where you're we'll talk about that later but this place in heaven it's it's a storehouse it's not figurative and i've wondered about this <clears throat> because there are um, there are rooms that are adjacent to um, what we what the Bible calls is paradise. And it's right by the Kronos and the Kairos area. And the, these rooms, some of them are big meeting rooms. Some of them are just filled with scrolls. What, what we would discern as scrolls, they're, they're like, you, can, you, you look at them, and it's like, this, like with, if scrolls were being uh, laid in place in a wall. And then there are rooms that have these orbs of light that, that we know represent God releasing something for the, the fulfillment of, 
of something that he's doing that will will bring illumination to the people or bring an epic you know god talks about the books in heaven being opened that the angel told daniel you know seal these scrolls because they're reserved for the gentiles in the time of the end and i believe that some of these storehouses of wisdom and knowledge have to be right there i'm not saying that that's all there they are there there are probably more of these in so many different places in god's creation but this talks about the thesaurus of wisdom and knowledge they're hidden and they're they're released to us according to the overall mystery of god through the father and through christ and so i know that in heaven this is this is an active place and i think we've seen some of them some of these places we've participated in them but i i do believe that what what is the treasure that you'd have in heaven see this is the thesaurus in heaven this isn't saying the bank account in heaven you're not going to need money in heaven you know you're not going to need gold the streets are paved with it in heaven you're not going to need pearls. The gates are made of that. You're not, what are you going to buy? You're not going to lack anything. You're going to be clothed in white. You're going to be walking with the Lord. What vacations are you going to need? I mean, you're going to be all over the universe doing the work of God. You know, so um, if, if we think that we're going to have treasures in heaven, I think the only thing close to that thought is that what we do here is going to allow us a greater measure of i don't want to say authority but function in heaven what we've sown into god and partnered with him we're going to be used in that way and those that didn't do that aren't going to be used in that way i'm not going to i'm not saying that they're not going to be used God's going to use everybody, and everybody's going to be delighted. But what you've done here is going to translate into what you do there. And everybody's going to be happy. There's not going to be any jealousy. But a lot of people in the general church, I don't know what they're going to do. But some of the things that we're doing now is setting in motion the opportunity that we're going to know for eternity. That's just the way God is. He's a rewarder. He's a rewarder. And to whom much is given, much is required. Faithful in the small things, ruler over many. We're, we're being faithful now in this brief sliver of time that we have on earth. But for eternity, we're going to have the, the, the privilege of partnering with God and demonstrating measures of responsibility that are commensurate with what we've sown into while on earth. And so that's about the only thing that I think is going to be uh, to separate the identities of people. But again, everybody's going to be delighted in the Lord. But it's not doesn't have anything to do with money. You're not going to drive a chariot. There's no need of money there. I mean, there just isn't. So this thesaurus has to mean that we are going to have access to these places of wisdom and understanding that are going to be used through eternity for places and for the earth and for 
the planets and solar systems and other dimensions of what God creates, we are, we are going to be um, recognizing this thesaurus storehouse in eternity. And, and it's of wisdom and knowledge. And so that's why it's so important for us to be developed in wisdom. And that's why it's so important for us to gain understanding of how to, to move with God. Gain understanding of how he does a thing. Gain under, understanding of how to discern a thing. Uh, how to represent him. And that's, that's the currency of partnership. That's the currency of sonship. That's the currency of the kingdom. That's the currency of, of, uh, of how we're going to move in God. And um, you know, remember the people who had been used to hearing the, the Pharisees teach the scripture Jesus came and taught the scripture and said, what kind of guy is this? He's, he's calling these, what wisdom is this? He's speaking the word with power. It's the same word, but he was full of wisdom. And so wisdom is how to represent God, how to discern what he's doing, how to discern what he would do, how to represent him. And uh, understanding is the framework of that. The bits and pieces you gather in experience and through understanding, uh, through learning in walking in wisdom. So this thesaurus is these thesauri. <laughs> that's not a word. Well, I'm just making it plural. Thesaurus is, um, is full of wisdom and knowledge. And in, in eternity, what you're laying up in the thesaurus in heaven is, is really... Your ability to move with God, Him promoting you in something that is going to last through eternity. I don't care where you are. Even the angels, see, the angels know structure of authority. We've said that. We know that. You know, Gabriel represents a certain facet of the angelic, and there are a lot of other angels who are mighty, that serve under Gabriel. Now, none of them are given to, je to jealousy. You know, they see Gabriel, they don't say, well, who is he traveling around that rainbow, you know? How can he get to do that, you know? They don't think that way. But there are measures of authority in heaven. Even, even the way God uh, has angelic ones that are Arche or Iscarus, and then there are those that are Exousia, and there are those that are dunamis. There are levels of authority. And then there are those that just straight represent the throne. And there's no problem in that. And I think that our thesaurus of wisdom and knowledge, our storehouse through eternity, is going to be what we are. We're not laying up treasures for ourselves on earth. We are laying up the thesaurus in heaven. And it, it's, and it has to do with how we're going to be able to partner with God through eternity. And there are going to be a lot of other, old Aunt Nellie's going to be there. And all the people who said, that's not scriptural, they're going to be there. But, and I'm not faulting them. I'm, they're not even in my head anymore. I can remember them, but they're not in my head. But they're going to see you moving in things in the spirit realm because of what you've sown into that storehouse. And it, your privilege is going to be to partner with the Father in that way. They're going to be allowed to serve and partner in other ways. That's wonderful. They're going to be fulfilled. 
He said, how much do you want of God? What are you satisfied with? There are some people we know in church, and I don't understand it at all. They will hear us talk about praying, laying on our face and praying in the Spirit and calling unto God early in the morning when it's cold in the sanctuary, and they think, Robert, you're nuts for doing that. It's so much nicer and warmer here in bed. I can just stay here and have my java and just read a passage of Scripture. God is so good, it's just wonderful. I think, that's great. That's great. I'm glad you're blessed. But there's so much more. Come and do it. And they say, oh, no, I'm happy where I am. They're sowing what they're going to be in eternity. And they're happy now. They're going to be happy then. Maybe they'll be strumming on a harp, or maybe they'll be, I don't know what they'll be doing, and I bless them. But our privilege is going to be able to minister in this thesaurus, this storehouse of wisdom and knowledge. Because what greater currency could there be than to partner with God in an intimate way? That's it. Which, with that in mind, you take the scripture where Jesus says, the love of money is the root of all evil. And what, what is money? How would the, if the enemy had the root of evil, he wasn't dealing in currency. He was, it, money for him meant something else. The currency for the enemy meant him being in control. The currency for the enemy was power. The currency for the enemy was pride. The currency for the enemy was having an angelic group that would follow him because he wanted to be like God. That's the root of evil. Now for us, we're, what are we sowing into the storehouse? What are we sowing into this thesaurus, this treasury, this depository? Well, we're sowing our partnership in wisdom, our partnership in partnering with God, being sons. And that's a currency because really what we're saying is, we just want to serve you. We want to be what you want to be. We want to do what you want to do. The enemy, the root of evil, I don't want to do that. I want to be in control. I am, my iniquity, my twisted, my twisted capacities, it's, it's, it's all about where your treasure is. So I love that verse, especially in this year of wisdom, because any measure of wisdom that we're engaging in right now is in in conjunction with that storehouse in heaven now in the book i just completed i'm not mentioning any of that because it would take too long to explain and it's too far out there so i'd rather just teach on it and live it maybe someday we'll write just a pneumatikos book where we can say things and not have to explain the last 50 steps that led up to it but I knew that there wasn't any way I'd be able to explain that in, in writing. So uh, it's not in there. But wisdom and knowledge is with the Father. It's partnering with Christ. It's according to the overall plan of God. And they are hid in, in this <coughs> thesaurus in heaven. So look at what is said in Matthew 13, second verse on the sheet. The kingdom of heaven is like unto thesaurus 
hid in a field, the which, when a man has found, he hides it, and for joy thereof goes and sells all that he hath and buys that field. This isn't a pot of gold. This isn't a... Uh, um, a, a some kind of a, a mineral wealth we often just think it's that but this is a, a thesaurus it is a depository it is a storehouse and so the kingdom of heaven is like this so when we discover in our field the privilege of being able to partner with the thesaurus of God we go and sell everything we have so that we can obtain that. And we, we, we rejoice. Why does, when a, which, which when a man hath found, he hideth. Why does it say that? Because this is a personal thing. This is a, your pursuit of the wisdom of God and your relationship with God is something that you don't do to flaunt before everybody. In fact, when Jesus taught in another place, he said, when you seek the Father, you don't do like the Pharisees do and you go out and, and uh, beat your chest and say, what a great guy I am, you know, look at me, how holy I am. You go into the secret place. You go into the place where your Father sees in secret and there you commune with him. And so that's what this hiding place is. It's you communing with the Father. And, you know, you're going to give everything you are in order to obtain the privilege in your field of representing the thesaurus. Isn't that good? I love that. Not because I'm saying it. I'm saying the Scripture is good. So I, I reference these two verses, Matthew 19 uh, if you'll be perfect, go and sell what you have. Give it to the poor. This is to the rich young ruler. And you'll have thesaurus in heaven. Come and follow me. And uh, Matthew 6, Do not lay up for yourself thesaurus on earth, where moth and rust does corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself thesaurus in heaven, where those corrupting influences don't come. Because where your thesaurus is... There will your heart be also. Now, what does that mean? Remember what we talked about the heart, how it relates to the soul and the mind and the body and your strength. To me, as I've studied this and thought about it, the heart is really the steering wheel of your life. And all these other things, if you get your emotions under control, if you let your, the, your spirit commune with God's spirit and that becomes the driving force, your mind submits to that, your emotions have to be subjected to that. And when all that happens, the focal point, the, the target mechanism is your heart, which is why Jesus said, with the heart man believes and confession is made under righteousness. Whereas where he said, uh, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He says that kind of thing. But he also says that the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? He's talking about the, the earthly heart, the carnal heart. And, you know, some of the greatest depictions of evil have come when uh, a, a, a godless person devises corrupt things in their mind that give place to lust, 
They apply their energies and their strength to that wicked plan. And out of all of that comes a direction in their heart. And it, some of the most evil things ever known to man, really, the enemy really didn't have much to do with it. It was mankind corrupted and the wickedness of the heart. But with our heart, we can believe, we can confess, we can become. If we are submitting all these other things to strengthening that facet so that's again why jesus said you know if you see this mountain and you say to the mountain be thou removed be thou cast into the sea or be moved to yonder place and shall not diacrino in your heart and what he was saying is if you've got your identity if you're in commune with the father if your spirit is in control with god's spirit if your emotions are subjected to this plan and your heart is not wavering in those things, you are committed. You're not saying, okay, you know, I see this mountain here. I better go back and reconsider if I'm in the right pathway. I don't know if I really want to do this. I don't know if I want That's what you do with a diacrino. And so if your heart is committed and you are moving with God, you say to this mountain, be removed, and don't doubt in your heart, it will go so where your thesaurus is there will your heart be also is your thesaurus on earth or is your thesaurus in the heavens he just said you know don't have your thesaurus on earth where moth and rust and thieves are have your thesaurus in heaven where those things aren't for where your thesaurus is your heart is going to be based if it's on earth, your heart's going to be based in earthly things. If it's in heaven, your heart's going to be based in the wisdom of God. And I think that's a wonderful thing. Don't you? Amen. All right. Let's, uh, let's look at uh, Luke 6, 45. Look at that up there. Aren't those screens nice? I'm going to read it off the screen. A good man out of the good treasure of, his, of the good thesaurus of his heart brings forth that which is good. An evil man out of the evil thesaurus of his heart brings forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. We just referenced that. We just basically talked about that, which is a good thing because this verse followed what we just said. I'm glad it conforms. I'd hate for it to say something different, Robert. Boy, we'd have to just go home. It's too cold to go outside yet. Look at 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We have this thesaurus, thesaurus in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. You know what? I've recognized, and I'm grateful for this, as the days go on, I know that our strength is in our partnership with God and in this thesaurus of his wisdom. And he said, oh, I've known that for years. Well, I said I knew it for years. You can say it, but when you're in a car driving home, you can be something totally different. You can quote scripture and then really not live it. And... Um, I know that the greatest treasure we have is this partnership with God in his wisdom, in this eternal calling he's given us. And that, that is what I draw from. 
that's what means most to me. And when we face issues or challenges or the enemy comes against us and, and opposes, the strength I have is not the number of verses that I've memorized, even though I need them. But it, my strength is found in the fact that I'm partnering with God. And my partnership is based on what the thesaurus in heaven has ordained for this time. I'm moving, we're moving with our Father and we're moving with our Lord Jesus Christ based upon the, the plan, the mystery of God. And that's, that's what's in our earthen vessel. Now this next passage is really a neat one because it is for pneumatikos people. And Matthew 13, verses 51 and 52 says, Jesus said unto them, Have you understood all these things? They say unto him, Yea, Lord, then said he unto them, Therefore every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which brings forth out of his thesaurus things new and old. Every scribe that is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is a householder. What's that mean? That means that we are we are positioned in the house of god we are positioned to represent him we're functioning according to the framework of where he's put us and it's an it's an identity it's placement it's possession and responsibility but it's the household of faith it's the household of the saints it's the household of, of what God has called us to be. And so if you're a scribe, someone who is a teacher of the kingdom of heaven, somebody who is, is responsible to uphold the meticulous understanding of the word, Jesus says that that kind of person is going to bring forth out of the, the thesaurus, out of his thesaurus, say that five times fast, See, she sells seashells by the seashore. His treasure, his thesaurus, his thesaurus. Things kainos and paleos. And so you've got paleos, which means antiques. And it obviously, I didn't check the etymology, but you would think that palace comes from that word. And uh, it's a place where royalty or people of wealth have stockpiled things that are antique that are worth a lot of money you know and so you've got things that are established that have been obtained by people due to their capacity and those are those are really worth a great amount they've been around a long time but they're they're really exceptional but also kinos things that are new Things that are just revealed. The new wine is kainos wine. Things that are revealed. So any scribe of the kingdom of heaven is going to function out of the thesaurus with things that you've been working with for a long time that have become treasured items. Just gems of understanding. 
bedrock, foundational pieces that really populate the household of faith where you are. And you're also receiving new things from God, things that he's desired, desired and designed to reveal in this moment. And so any scribe in the kingdom is going to bring out of the thesaurus those things. So you've been laboring in this for a long time. So many of the things that God has done in you for 20 years or so are strong things. They are precious. They are paleos for you. And you rely on them. You know exactly where they are. You guard over them. You know, if you ever go to the museum, I don't go to really museums here. I have. But when you go to Europe, they have really cool museums. And so, you know, if you go into London, you find out that just about all the museums are free, which is great. Not so in France. But in London, they're free. And you go into rooms, and like if you go into the British Museum, you see stuff. If you go to the National Gallery, they'll have these paintings by Van Gogh and Monet and Gauguin, and they'll have all these things. And, and they're, they're up there on the wall. And people just stand and gawk at them. And they have people that stand in there who are employed by the museum to make sure no funny business is going on. People aren't touching it. People aren't defacing it. And they guard over those things. And I think for us as saints, as scribes of the kingdom, we have to guard over those treasured things that God has given us. We can't, we can't just let any old thing happen to them. We've got we've to make sure they're treated right. We've got to make sure we honor them. We've got to make sure that we, that we cherish them and we're well aware of what they are. One time I, I was walking through with Katie, like the National uh, Museum, and uh, I saw a painting, and I thought, okay, this says that it's about John the Baptist and his beheading. Only it doesn't look like the story in the Bible. So I stood there and thought about it, and I couldn't figure it out. So I went over and I asked this, this man who was one of the employees of the museum, and he had his little jacket on, and, and I said, Sir, do you mind if I ask you a question about this painting? He said, Of course not. And I won't try to imitate his British accent because I won't do it well. And I said, I told him what I just told you, and I said, So what's the backdrop of this? And this guy went off on it. He knew everything about the, the artist and what, who commissioned the thing and what the guy told him he wanted. It was, a, it was a, one of the Catholic cardinals that had, had wanted this painting. And it, it was something that he was trying to impress on the, uh, the Italian government at that time who was opposing the church. So he inserted into the John the Baptist painting some ideas that would enforce what the Catholic cardinal was wanting the Italian government to do. And, and I thought, oh, that makes a whole lot of sense. But my point is, this guy not only was guarding, he knew what was in that room. 
he knew what was up on that wall and he could wax eloquent about it. I think for us, we need to really see that the treasures from the thesaurus that God has given us that we have been established in, we need to have that same measure of efficacy and understanding and treasure that. Why? Well, first of all, so that it's not lost. Secondly, so that we can draw on it ourselves. But thirdly, so that we can teach others. And fourthly, so that we will know when challenges come, how to draw on that effectively. And so uh, that, that is a key. But then to want to hear from God about the new things in wisdom, the kinos things that are coming. We have, to, we have to be ready to receive them. We have to study what the meaning of those are, and we need to know how to extrapolate and, and align them with the known things because God's not going to, uh, he's not going to contradict himself, and also he is not going to, um, you're not going to understand a lot of the new things unless you can base the direction of them on what God has already established. And when the new thing comes and meets the old thing, so often in God, an entirely new understanding arises. So here's Jesus saying that a scribe in the things of the kingdom of heaven takes responsibility as a householder, and out of the thesaurus, they bring forth the established stuff, and they counterbalance it and align it with the new thing. And they want both. See, when we, were, when we were first starting out as Pneumaticos people, we had people that were well-schooled in the old stuff. Not that they understood what it really meant, but they guarded over it more than great-grandma guarded over her sofa with that plastic cover. You know, not, nothing going to stain this baby. You're not going to want to sit on it either, but it's going to stay that way. It may be out of style five generations, but boy, is it clean. <laughs> oh, man. And they defended that. They didn't want any new thing. They didn't want any new thing because they thought they had all the gospel. They thought they had it all. So they didn't really understand the old thing, and they didn't want any new thing. Here Jesus says if you're a scribe in the kingdom, you've got to be versed in both. And I think that's terrific. Now, the last verse I, is a well-known passage, and I just brought it in here because I think it's cool. Uh, this is Matthew 2, 11, when Jesus was a baby and the wise men came. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped, proskuneoed before. And when they had opened their thesaurus, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now this paints a new picture on these guys because I think we think that three of them came. The Catholics think four of them came. And don't, don't think, you know, I don't know if that, no, that's not the ones they call the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They have names for them. And then the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Ninja Turtles are other principalities that they think are in the Bible, but they're not. Um, but we think that these three guys, one of them brought gold, one of them brought frankincense, one of them brought myrrh. 
But what it says is they opened their thesaurus. They brought a representation of all of their wealth. They didn't just have a bag full of coins. They had a variety of things. And I would think that they were all traveling with gold. They were all traveling with frankincense. They were all traveling with myrrh. They were probably all traveling with other types of treasures in this thesaurus. But those three had specific meaning as prophetic gifts for Christ. But these, these men were wealthy, and they brought a bevy of things that they would probably need on this long journey. And they followed the leading of the Spirit to give these three things. But it was out of a thesaurus. And I think that's very interesting. Um, some of the things that, ha that are written in the Scripture, you don't want to add to the Word, but when you look at the meaning of the words, it opens up a lot of different um, understandings that cause you to think, okay, there was something more going on here. You know, these guys were, they studied they knew prophecy. They, they were, we call them wise men, magi. They were skilled, and they were obviously devoted to God. When they came, nobody had to say, well, you know, here in Israel, we shacha, you know, we lay on our face. They immediately proskuneo. They understood that concept. They knew it. Um, so I'm imagining that they had quite a number of discussions with Mary and with Joseph about the prophecies, about what they expected this child to be. And, you know, it's after that, Mary held all these things in her heart and contemplated them. But out of this, these guys' treasures, they went out, they had servants, and they, they went into their, they had guardians over this because you're not traveling in a foreign country with a bank of wealth. They had to come with, with armor and with with soldiers and they they went and they said okay what would what have we been instructed to give what would prophetically be to give and and I don't know this but I would imagine that they they recognized this is a young couple they don't have anything uh, I'm imagining they gave other things too but these prophetic things were given and it came out of the thesaurus which was a storehouse of wealth that each of them had isn't that great i think that's cool but for us we're partnering with the storehouse the thesaurus of wisdom and and understanding in heaven we are sowing our lives here on earth into that and we are representing that in the household of faith here. And I know that God is, um, this is a major connect between us and heaven. Um, imagine that. You know, we think about the touch points we have in heaven, the throne of God, how wonderful that is. We can go before the throne of grace. We can pray at the temp in the temple of the tabernacle of testimony. We can, um, we can be in the chronos kairos era. 
and, you know, we can be in our seat there and function in authority. But here is something that we're actually sowing into and we're drawing from. It's kind of like a treasury, yes, but it's like a library of wisdom and knowledge. And it's where obviously where the Kronos Kairos is because everything about that speaks about when wisdom, how it's going to be developed, when it's going to be dispersed, when a kainos moment is coming, and when, you know, it's just wonderful. This is God giving us a touch point. And um, just for our thinking, understanding this is a good thing to know, but for our function, we just need to keep functioning. Wanting his wisdom, wanting the light, representing him, and... um, but this thesaurus is something. So to me, and I'm going to conclude, we, we started a couple minutes late. How does the tethemi fit into this? Because if you're give, first of all, thesaurus comes from tethemi. You can find, even Strong says that. So how does the tethemi sew into the thesaurus? Well, it's functional. If you bow your knee in tethemi, that means that God is promoting you into a new dimension of his wisdom. If you are functioning in what God to themate into your life, you're developing that to partner with this thesaurus in heaven. If you are, um, if you are moving in the fivefold with God to themate into the church, in your function and in your understanding of how God thinks, you are giving yourself and you're aligning yourself with the way God thinks out of this thesaurus. So the tethemi still sows into this thesaurus. And um, it's the way we function. So largely, you know, it's like, um, here's another great concept from tethemi, where it says, there is no other foundation laid as is laid Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. And there are a lot of those LAIDs that are speaking of the foundation of Christ, and that's Tethemi. How is that? Well, you're, you're standing on a foundation in Christ, and you are sowing off of that foundation, off of that work that he has done and made possible to you. And only because of that can you reach into that thesaurus. I love that. And another capacity of it is where it says um, where your enemies will be made your footstool. And that's tetheme. So how is that? Well, when the enemy is defeated and you take the armor that he trusted in and he is now vanquished, you take that armor that has been deprived, that stronghold that has been deprived of the wisdom of God, and you sow that into that thesaurus. And suddenly it becomes what it should have been from the foundation of the world. I think this is just an incredible concept. And I don't know, maybe I should write this. Um, I'd, I'd have to adjust the, t- the tithe part. But I still, you see that principle. Don't you see the principle? 
that you're sowing it forward and somehow those English people said oh this is what tithe is same word certainly not wouldn't it be awful bring your tego Rick would you collect the tego and the offerings that just doesn't cut it tithe just flows off the tongue Robert doesn't tithe Heavenly Father thank you for this help us to be uh, what we should be in conjunction with your storehouse in heaven and we want the meat. We want the deeper things because that allows us to know you more and to serve you in a more effective way. I bless these people. And I thank you, Lord, tonight that as we have declared this, it's even going to open this up in a greater way to us. We love you, Father. And we, uh, we thank you for the privilege of being able to partner with you in these ways. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless all of you. Have a wonderful night. Stay warm. Stay dry. And we will see you soon. Good night.